This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. to the Toys R Us report, recorded live from inside the Pooptronic Cellular Undersea Base 0001, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. Like a pig says oink and a cat says meow, he rocks on the mic like only he know how. He's your host, Icy Robot. If you're looking for me, you better check under the sea. It is your dude, Icy Robots, and I'm not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it is going to get so much less weak. We're going we're gonna to do top five. We haven't done a top five in a while. We're going to look at the, the top five game shows of all the time in space. It's going to be great. I, I got a new one. Well, it's an oldie from uh, Good Old Iceberg. Let's see if I can find it on the, on the drive. All right, here we go. Hit it. Young Buck, I'm just trying to toughen you up. Can't let you hustle with us. You ain't struggled enough. Hello? There's an astrologer's convention in town. Get the hip fortune tellers in for an interview. That's cub reporter stuff. You will do what I say. Or go back to freelancing. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. We're useless, but not for long. The future is coming on. I would even argue that we're not useless at this point because we do, at the very least, clean the windows. And I like to think that uh, talking to me each and every week uh, has some kind of a positive effect in your life, even if even if it's just, uh, you know, a few minutes of a, a fun time chit-chat that gets your mind off the day-to-day whatevers, but I do want to have a nice positive influence in the world, so I do, I do like to think that we might not be, we might not be that useless. That was a new one. Well, that's an old one. It came off of the POS, which is our patron-only show. You can, you can hear that one over on Patreon. I, I lifted it. I wanted to give you guys an example of some of the fun stuff that goes on over there on the POS. I I dig it. It's kind of my it's kind of my work journal, kind of my road journal. I use my mini recorder to record over at the dig. I record record stuff when I'm out and about over at the Jelly Donut or maybe at the McDonald's or whatever. A lot of a lot of time in the garage. I I'm digging doing that. It's fun. You can get down with that over on supportthereport.com. That show that show's turned out to be pretty time-consuming. I started off trying to think of, trying to think of an idea that would be like easy to do, so I could produce a lot of episodes with, with a minimum of work. But I, 
I find ways to get myself in over my head. I'm doing so many little little deals over there, and it's it's all fun. It's all good. The show's a lot of a lot of good stuff, but I I don't know. At any rate, we are here, and I want to thank Iceberg. Want to thank MC Kate, make some like disintegrate for for working together on that jam. That's that's all good. I'm down here below the sea. I I saw Iceberg this morning. He said he couldn't come in. I I got Engineer Emily on the board. Uh, what's up, Emily? See you over there. She uh she stuck her thumb up, so she says what's up. We're we're down here over by the Chum Station. It's no fun, man. It it, it reeks. It reeks of Chum. They're always chumming the water, trying to get. Trying to get these sharks to come closer. I know not what for. I've I've seen that movie, The Mega Man. I don't want to. I don't want to mess with any deep sea sharks. That movie, that movie was kind of awful though. I I caught it again on HBO, and I feel like it had it had a lot of promise. It had a lot of neat parts about an undersea base, but it didn't. It just wasn't that great. I don't know. Some things some things don't turn out as as awesome as you would hope. You just kind of gotta. You kind of got to accept them for what they are. Acceptance is a very important part of life. Things happen. Things come. Things go. You just sort of have to accept that things are how they are. That's, that's one of the healthiest things you can do. Just accepting the things that happen to the best of your abilities. I know I know that sounds very simple, but it's also it's also very difficult to, uh, to push some of these difficult things. These difficult struggles that we struggle with. It's hard to it's hard to just shove them aside, but you gotta a lot of times you just gotta say whatever, man. Like I, Iceberg, Emily, we'd all rather we'd all rather be up in the stars, man. We were having such a good time on Callisto. Sure there were space fleas. Sure there were pirates. Sure there were all there were all kinds of stuff. But still, it was uh it was a good time down here, I guess. We should appreciate that we're deep below the sea and not a lot of not a lot of people get the experience to do that, but it's not, it's not where we'd prefer. But at the same time, you just gotta, you just gotta accept it for what it is and keep on, keep on keeping on. Who knows, who knows what tomorrow may hold also. That's, that's something you gotta consider. Things can snap just like that. Things can change. You could get, you could get snapped off the face of the earth by, uh, by Thanos. You don't, you just don't know what the, what the future brings. Dude, you sound like a lame of Phil Donahue right now. Jeez, man, this is terrible radio. I hate to criticize you, but this is some real boring hippie stuff, dude. I didn't realize this was a PBS-type advice show. Let's change direction. Okay, dude, you're you're the producer. If you want to change direction, I'll definitely do so. You didn't have to call me a labor-filled Donahue, but uh, uh, why don't you why don't you ask me something and we'll 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 take it from there. We'll switch it up. I, I'm I'm all for it. Let's go. Um, okay. What was the last record you listened to? The last record I listened to, uh, dude, dude, I don't, I don't want to say. Uh, ask me, ask me something else. No, just tell me. All right. It was, uh, it was Peaceful Journey by Heavy D and 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 the boys. That's kind of weird. Heavy D, what for? I I wanted to hear that song now that we found love, and I, it turns out that I actually had the CD. When when I was you know back in the CD buying days, I I would splurge and I would buy like every used CD that looked even remotely interesting. And I I don't know I had this one, and I'm like that song uh you know now that we found love that song that song's a little catchy, and I guess I kind of wanted to hear it, you know. Okay, if you say so. Nah, don't, don't be like that. I, I used to, like, worry about songs, like, being legit, like, being real, or whatever. Now, 
now I hardly care. Something sounds like it's kind of fun. I might, I might dig it, which isn't to say that I go out there and I listen to Disney radio or anything like that, but I'm more, I'm more open to things than I, than I used to be. That is, that's for sure. No, I get you. That's cool. I mean, I still like to keep it real, but if you don't want to, I get it. So, this heavy D song, did you dance to it? It's pretty that tempo. They flipped it at like 100 BPM or something. It's practically a house music. Yeah, it is practically a house music. That's when like house and rap were really getting, really getting intertwined. It wasn't my, it wasn't my favorite uh, time for music. But yeah, you know, I did dance a little bit. I'm not, I'm not like a good dancer or anything, but I got, I got rhythm, you know. I was throwing my arms around. I was, I was doing my thing as it were. I've seen you dance. When have you seen me dance? At the Jupiter Station Christmas party three years ago. No way, dude. I do not remember that. You drank too many eggnogs and started dancing to some Fleetwood Mac song. You love Fleetwood Mac. I'm starting to think that I might. I wonder what song it was. Probably, probably go your own way. Anyway, you danced around like one of those inflatable men that they have in front of used car lots. You looked really weird. Then you bumped into Gino Vega and he fell into Fitch Sejunacht, the projectionist into the Christmas tree. He was so mad that he disappeared in a puff of smoke. He might have turned into a bat. It was weird. You know, now that you kind of mentioned it, I do remember the projectionist falling into a Christmas tree, but I I thought that was a dream. It was so, it was so surreal. No, it happened. Man. Let's end this. You want to end this? Oh, come on. I thought uh, I thought we were really going somewhere. Well, we're getting around to the 10-minute mark, I guess. Let's try and keep this tight. Emily out. Yoki doke you're running the show. This is me, I See Robots. Let's go to uh, at the movies. moment at the movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you've got icy robots, so that's something like. We made it! Where's Jason? Jason! Jason! I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. What are your people? <laughs> that was weird. Where was the, uh, VHS sound? Maybe... Maybe they sent us a digital file this week. I don't know. That was that was weird. At any rate, we went to see Jordan Peele's latest flick, the the horror movie known as Us on a Monday morning. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something and I'm gonna I'm wanting to just sit through and not not pass judge until until I'm done. Horror movies draw a lot, a lot of knuckleheads. I, I know a lot of people who like horror movies. I myself like horror movies. I know a lot of, a lot of very intelligent people who like horror films. I also, I also know a lot of complete chuckleheads who like horror movies, and there is something about a horror movie that really just draws the chuckleheads in. I, I see the worst audiences when I, when I go to a, a horror movie, so I, I try to go as early as I can just to avoid, just to avoid people talking, people yelling at the screen. All these things, all these things seem like in the tradition of what you, what you do at a horror movie. So I'm not, I'm not mad at it, but I also don't want to participate in the hooting. 
and the yelling and the pointing and the warning the characters of what to do and stuff, but I, I went super early and still, there were still chuckleheads in the crowd, it was, it was a rough one for sure, there were, there were these people behind us that were talking the whole time, they weren't even, they weren't even talking about the movie, at one point I had to turn around and go, excuse me, could you guys just take it down a bit, please, and they, they actually, uh, left. They, they firstly moved across the aisle, and then they, and then they just, uh, left altogether. Which, which leads me to think they may not have even been, like, ticket buyers in the first place. They may have just been, like, people who were just jumping in to catch a few minutes of something. But at any rate, I ousted them from the theater. But, uh, but, uh, back to the movie. Sorry, I, I gave you guys, like, two minutes of what, uh, what was going on before the movie even started. But that's just how it was, because these people talking almost... They almost ruined the experience of the, uh, of the movie. And I really, I really wanted the whole experience of the, uh, of the thing. Jordan Peele as a horror director is kind of, he's kind of like a social phenomenon. His first movie, Get Out, was a giant deal. It got an Oscar nomination. It really, it really got people thinking about issues of race and such. And people were expecting big things out of Jordan Peele. It's been a, it's been a wait, you know, and it was finally here. I wanted to go take it in and see what see what the hubbub was about. The The story is that of a family who is going to their vacation house in Santa Cruz. And they're there, they're chilling when they are when they are met face to face by their doppelgangers who who want to kill them and stuff. They they also have like this plot about how when one of the characters was younger, she she had a bad incident at the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk. So there's a lot of trepidation with her being there in the first place. I, I don't want to give a lot away. This is all stuff that was in the trailers. I don't want to give anything away because there's like, there's like twists and turns and all kinds of, all kinds of things like that. And it's best to, it's best to go in fresh. I, I did want to say this. In my initial viewing of the movie, I did not like it that much. When it was over, I turned looked at the wife and said, I don't think I like that. And she said, I don't think that I did either. But then we came home and we, we like sat down and got our tablets and our phones and stuff. And we, we read a bit about the movie. We listened to a couple podcasts where people talked about some of the, some of the symbolism. And when I, when I looked at it with a more expanded view of, of things maybe not being what they seem, things maybe meaning something else altogether. When I looked at it all like that, I, I really started to get an appreciation for the movie. It did, it did start to stick, sink in rather. But I, I wouldn't have had that appreciation if I didn't spend the time doing, doing a bit of research on what some of these things might mean. I didn't, I didn't have to do a lot of research. Like I said, I, I looked on Reddit. I read some stuff on like The Ringer, and I, I listened to a movie, movie podcast I like called the, uh, the Big Picture. I. I don't know, it wasn't like I had to go and search out some, some hidden scrolls, but this might not be everybody's cup of tea. Everybody might not want to go and have to, have to try to figure out what things mean, and on a surface level, I didn't, I didn't think that it was a, a fantastic film, but when I first saw Get Out, his first movie, I didn't think that it was that great either, but once it, once it hit cable and I was able to check it out again and kind of have some things sink in and look at things from a from a different perspective. I found it to be I found it to be a lot better than my initial thoughts. And this one this one is very similar. When I get a chance to check it out again on HBO or whatever, maybe maybe I'll start to enjoy the experience more. I I know not. There were 
there were kids behind me talking the whole time. Like, it was, it was like this constant thing. They were just talking at normal volume. I'm not, I'm not a stickler, you know, but this, this did definitely affect my experience of, of seeing the movie. I'm not a stickler. I, I understand that sometimes during the course of a movie, you might want to talk. I get it. I do it too. But the thing is, you, you whisper, you whisper at a very, you know, low tone so that the people around you get the feeling that you're at least showing them the respect to keep it down. You do have to say something, but you, you're keeping it down. You're showing, showing respect. I, I was not getting the respect from these, from these kids. And they were being like grody teenagers and climbing all over each other. I, I've talked about this a few times. They have these recliners at the theater now. These, these like nice faux leather chairs, but the, the kids are like climbing into the same chair with each other and they're being all gross and finally I had to say something. I I stood up for everybody like uh, Charles Bronson style and they they hightailed it out of there. <laughs> I said this already. I apologize for for telling this tale again, but it was it was so annoying, especially with the movie that I was uh, eagerly anticipating like this one. Let's let's look at some of the particulars. It stars uh, Lupita Nyong'o. And Winston Duke, you might know Winston Duke from, uh, he was in Black Panther. He was in Avengers. He's one of the, he's one of the tribal, uh, leaders. I, every time I see this guy's name, Winston Duke, I think of Trading Places. I actually had to go and look and make sure that it wasn't the, wasn't the same name. The guy in Trading Places, one of the, one of the evil brothers who, who pulls this whole scheme. His name is Winthorpe. Winthorpe Duke. This guy, this guy Winston Duke's a good actor, but his name... A bit too close to Winthorpe. But also has Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric. I I like him a lot. The movie was just over two hours. It didn't it didn't play very long. Things once things jump off, they do not stop. It has a very, very quick pace. I I like that in a horror movie. Like once the hunt begins, the hunt keeps going. I I liked it. I I would definitely recommend you guys go check it out if you have if you have interest in, like, kind of more thought-provoking horror movies, there are, there are many different kinds of horror movies. There are horror movies that are trying to make, like, a social statement of some type. Like, like this one. Like, uh, the Romero films and stuff. They're trying to, they're trying to, you know, just let you know something about something. There are other movies that are just, like, they're just, like, straight-up murder. Which is, you know, I guess if that's fine, that's your thing. I don't know. I think... I think that's why you get a lot of chuckleheads when you when you go to see a horror movie in the audience. There are there are people who want to get some kind of like social commentary and there are other people there who just like they just want to straight up watch somebody get murdered. These are the kind of people who watch videos on the internet of people getting hurt. If that's your thing, I would highly recommend that you you stop doing that. That's not that's not good for your for your psyche to watch people to watch people get hurt, to watch people get killed. It's not it's not good for you. That's why I try not to overdo it on the horror films. I'll see ones that get like really good reviews or ones from directors that I know are quality. But uh this was definitely this was definitely one of those. Let's uh let's get into it on the good old fashioned source magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all time classic. I'm gonna give Jordan Peele's us a solid three of mics. This is Don Fry, and you're listening to Toys R Us Report. Touch it down, I'll kill you. 
Barnaby Jones will return next Thursday night at 10, 9 Central and Mountain on most of these stations. This should be a fun one. This week, I see Robot is going to share his top bot game shows of all the times. I, I like game shows. I think we all do. A game show is a fun way usually to spend like a half an hour of TV time just kicking back and competing against the people on the screen. I, I got to thinking heavily about game shows the other day. I was I was watching one on the tube and I'll talk I'll talk about that during the listings. I was I was watching one and I started thinking back to the game shows in the past and my history with game shows and I I don't know, I just said, Hey, that might be a fun top five episode. The top five, the top five game shows of all of all time and space. But before, before I could get too deep into it, I had to look and I had to try to define what is a game show. There, there are many programs or shows on TV that are games. Of course, there are obvious ones like, for example, Family Feud is obviously a game show. Ten thousand dollar pyramid or whatever it is 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 obviously a game show, but is, is something like Ninja Warrior, is that a game show? Is something like, I don't know, Project Runway, is that, is that a game show? I had to, I had to look to a higher authority than myself for, for a definition, so I went to Wikipedia and I looked up a list called American Game Shows, and we are going to be using this as the as the jump-off point, if the show is on that list, it is eligible to be included on my on my top five. If you got beef with that, take it up with Wikipedia. I I don't know. It seemed like a, as fair a way as any to decide the definition of a game show. So, with all that said, maybe you'll wanna maybe you'll wanna go look at that before we. Before we jump into this, maybe not. I don't know. I don't really think I have any controversial picks on here. There's nothing, nothing to me that's not a game show. But I just wanted to get that out there. But uh, with all that said, with all that out of the way, why don't we find out what's the what's the number five game show of all time in space? Number five. We're with you for the new season of Wheel of Fortune. Join Pat Sajak and Vanna White for the number one game show. Number one in glamour and in entertainment. And number one in prizes when contestants combine luck and skill with each spin. Get your family involved and see who can solve the puzzles. It's fun and the chance of a lifetime. All new shows on the new season of Wheel of Fortune. Weeknights at 7.30 on Channel 6. My number five game show pick is Wheel of Fortune. Can you imagine like there's a like a whole crowd behind me screaming that as I as I say it. Wheel of Fortune plays, I think, every day on TV. I used to watch it every afternoon with my grandparents. When we first moved to California for Illinois, we shared a place with my grandparents for a bit. We ended up actually like all living together for, for quite a long time, but this this was when we first moved here. I got into the habit of watching Wheel of Fortune with my grandma and my grandpa every every single day. It was it was like their favorite game show. And for a while it was it was my favorite game show. In Wheel of Fortune, you try to you try to guess phrases. You spin a wheel and you get to pick letters and then you try to figure out what the what the phrase is. I am awful 
at Wheel of Fortune. I don't know why. I know a lot of phrases. I think I can turn a phrase, but I am, I am so bad at this. I have, I have a problem interpreting what the, what the uh, clue is. They give you, they give you one that's supposed to, supposed to flesh out what these, what these letters might be. And I, I can never get the clue. I'm also, I'm also terrible at, uh, crossword puzzles. I can never, I can never figure the clues for those either. They're, they're actually kind of similar. Wheel of Fortune is, of course, hosted by Pat Sajak. When it was first launched back in 1975, it was hosted by, uh, Chuck Woolery. Here's, here's an interesting fact about Wheel of Fortune. The, the famous theme song for the program was written by, uh, by Alan Thicke of Growing Pain fame. I, I think that's... I think that's kind of a kind of a nice little uh, side note. On top of being a famous TV star, he also he also wrote the theme song for Wheel of Fortune. If I if I ever did anything as glorious as writing the theme song for the fifth greatest uh, game show of all time in space, that would be enough of an achievement for me. But imagine on top of that, I was the star of a of a wildly successful uh, sitcom. I. I can't even imagine the heart. The heart flutters at the uh, very idea. Let's let's jump ahead and see what's the number four of all the times and all the spaces. Number four. Weekdays. America's premier game of trivia comes home to challenge, thump, and reward. It's trivia with a twist. The stakes are high and the jackpot gigantic. As host Alex Rebeck comes up with the answers, you provide the questions. Jeopardy! Weeknights at 7.30 here on WROC-TV8. Around these parts, and I think around most parts, they would play an hour block of first Wheel of Fortune and then Jeopardy. I would... I would always sit with my grandparents and we'd watch Wheel of Fortune with They Loved. They Loved the show like the, like the most, but then following it was Jeopardy, which was the show at the time that I liked the most. Whereas, where I was like awful at guessing the, uh, the Wheel of Fortune puzzles, I was, and still am to a degree, like quite a, uh, quite a trivia whiz. I, I have minor knowledge in like a million different areas and I could always, I could always impress my grandparents or at least, at least they pretended to be impressed when I would, when I would rattle off some, uh, some Jeopardy answers. I, I have considered trying out for Jeopardy, not, not like seriously because I don't think that I would really want to be on TV or anything, but I've, I've sat there, watched the show and sometimes done done really well and go, man, if I was, if I was on this episode, I would have made a nice showing. Of course, there are other episodes where you'd make a terrible showing. You don't, you never think about those, but I, I dig Jeopardy. In Jeopardy, they do things kind of in reverse in that they give you a, uh, version of the answer and you have to answer that in the, in the form of a question. I, I don't even know why I'm saying this. We all know how to play Jeopardy. We all have watched it a million times. I, I still do watch Jeopardy. I have a uh, season pass for it on the uh, Direct TV. I don't, I don't like check out every single episode or everything, but I do. I do from time to time pop in just to uh, just to see how my trivia skills are are going. I want to know if I'm, you know, still if I'm still in effect. The show was the show was originally launched back in 1964 as a as a daytime show. It had moved into syndication. It's it's been going for as long as. As long as you can, uh, possibly go on TV, it was, it was, uh, initially hosted by Art Fleming and Don Pardo 
was the announcer. Of course, now you have uh, you have Alex Trebek and Johnny Gilbert in the in the present. Uh, of course, recently we found out that uh, Alex Trebek, the the long the long running host of the program, is, is suffering from a major illness, and we we here at uh, IC Robots Radio, of course, wish him nothing but the best. We we got nothing but love for Alex Trebek down here. At one time, I had the Jeopardy home game. It had a board with questions, a blue board like you see in the program. That was that was a lot of fun. I never had anybody who wanted to actually play it with me, so I'd I would just kind of like run the uh, questions by myself and see how see how many of them I can get. I think at one point I had like a Wheel of Fortune home game too, but my my memories on that are not as uh, not as fresh as they are on the. On the Jeopardy, because I saw it. I saw it at the dig the other week. I was there, and I considered, I considered buying the game board to bring home so I could make some kind of a diorama where my, where my Mego monsters were playing Jeopardy. But I, I decided against it. I, I thought it'd be too much trouble to find the, uh, the lecterns that they stand behind. But uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's jump forward and see what's the number three, the number three game show of all the times and all of the spaces. Number three. American Gladiators, Saturday at 10 on Fox 64. My third most favorite game show of all the times is American Gladiators. American Gladiators first came out in 1989, and it featured, well, I would call them like pro wrestling style gladiators competing against what would, what would seem to be like ordinary Joes, but like ordinary fit Joes, not like... Not like dudes like you and me who were like dudes. These were like what would be like CrossFit types of the modern day. And they would they would compete against these gladiators in all types of weird physical challenges. I remember one where like they had to hide behind these things while the gladiators, um, they fired tennis balls at them like out of a, uh, out of like a cannon. That was always fun. I wanted to, I wanted to shoot that gun like crazy. There was another one where they, they like stood on top of these, I don't know, like these, these posts. And then they would... They would fight with what did they call them? Like punji sticks. They were like these long staffs with uh with padded ends, and they would try to they would try to knock each other off. There was another one where they they stood up on some pedestal, and the the gladiator would swing down at them, and they would they would have a like a foam shield of some sort, and they would have to crouch down and block the gladiator while he uh he came swinging down on a on a vine at him feet first. I think actually feet first was illegal. I think you, I think you had to try to compete, like connect rather with the with the body. You couldn't come in like, like straight on drop kick right to the grill. As I recall, I may be wrong. At the uh, at the time that Gladiators was out, I was way into professional wrestling. That was that was probably my peak of interest around around this area. You know, not maybe like this year exactly, but around. Around this, this time, and Gladiators had these, it had these, like, wrestling-type characters, and I got into, uh, Gladiators 2. It was also on at around the same time as wrestling. I think it was on a different channel. If I, if I remember correctly, it was on Channel 5. It may not have been, like, a CBS-type show, but I do know, I do know that they played it on, well, I don't know. I don't remember at all, but I, 
I seem to remember it was on Channel 5 and wrestling was always... Wrestling was on Channel 2. They also, at one time, uh, KFTY, our local uh, Channel 50, they got Wrestling 2 on the weekends for a while. They had they had Wrestling Challenge, I believe, maybe, but I, I don't know. Gladiators hung around for like six or seven years. It was It was pretty successful. It spun off action figures and all kinds of like clothing and sleeping bags. There was there was a lot of uh gladiator merchandise. I have a few of the of the gladiators. I have Zap, I think, and I have I don't know, I have another one of them. They they had like these play actions where you could sort of make them fight against each other, but it didn't it wasn't all that great. Uh it wasn't wasn't like a dope super action or anything. Another uh really cool thing about American Gladiators was that the referee was like an executioner. He wore like this leather executioner suit and when he had to when he had to like decide on something he would give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It was it was pretty cool. I dug it. I I always wanted to see the Gladiators fight. I was always I was always hoping that like a brawl would break out and we could see we could see what uh what these guys had at the time. At the time, it seemed really important to uh, to feel like your action heroes could really fight, like, in real life. You wanted to think, like, I bet Chuck Norris could really go. If somebody came at him, I bet he could just, I bet he could knock him out with a high kick. I bet, I bet JCVD could kick two people at once in real life. It was really important for, for some reason. Now, I don't know that anybody would ever think, I bet Vin Diesel, I bet he's real man. I bet if it came down to it, Vin Diesel could, he could throw hands on somebody. I don't, I never hear kids talk about that. I don't, um... I don't know if anybody anybody wonders if uh, Chris Pratt could beat somebody up in real life. He could though, right? I've seen I've seen videos of him training with like UFC guys, and there was there was like this one MMA show where Chris Pratt came down with some guy in his corner. I don't know. I I don't really like. I guess I do know a little bit about it, but I I know not. Let's uh let's jump forward and see what's the number what's the number two game show of all the times and all the space is number two. Survivor. This is way easier than I thought. But CBS Thursday, one of Russell's own. It's time for me to make my move. Could stab him in the back. I need to get Russell out. He's a piece of garbage. Is there a traitor on the island? We don't trust Sandra right now. I need to pull somebody else in. Make sure they don't think you're flipping. I'm not scared, Russell. Why are you trying to threaten me? There's three days of scrambling. Going on in three minutes. New Survivor Thursday, only CBS. My number two most favorite game show is Survivor. I I have to admit, this one weighed heavily on me. I knew that I knew that when I thought about shows that were games, that I that I regarded Survivor very highly. I've watched every season of Survivor since the beginning. I I'm a bit of a Survivor maniac. I just I think it's a ton of fun, but I I really went back and forth on whether this was a game show or not. But then, then I went to Wikipedia, I looked at that list, and right on there was Survivor. So I said, it is, it is a show, it is a game, and it is on TV. So I guess, I guess it's a game show. I think Survivor is a ton of fun. It is, um, it's a show where they take a bunch of people, they're supposed to be like normal people, but they're all, they're all a bit pretty, they're all a bit charismatic, they're all... They're all a bit interesting. It's not like you're taking, like, a cross-section of people. Like, for example, if you took, like, uh, a bus. You just grabbed the number four bus heading downtown and took those people. It's not that cross-section. It's a cross-section of of the beautiful and the interesting. And they take them. 
they put him on an island and they put him through all sorts of tortures and they do really wacky challenges. They compete against each other in all sorts of games. They they compete for food. They compete for blankets. They compete for like tarps. It's it's crazy. I I have thought, would I like to be on Survivor? And part of me goes, maybe. Maybe I would like to face the challenge, but then the other part of me goes, there's no way that you could last even, like, a week on Survivor. I I get so crazy when I get hungry. And these these dudes on the island are getting starved to death. The, the first few seasons, they had rice. They would give them rice, and then they could win food in the, in the challenges. But then, in later seasons, they took away the rice. I think they've ended up giving them the rice back at points. But for the most part, you're just like... You're eating a little bit of rice, whatever coconuts you could get, maybe some fish. They do they do get a uh, fishing gear as a as a possible prize in certain certain challenges, but you're you're starving out there and I I just I don't know, man. I'd end up getting really hungry. I'd get really cranky. Then I'll go, that dude Icy Robots is nuts. Let's let's vote him out. There's that whole other social aspect of the game. The way in which you are eliminated from Survivor is they they put you up to vote against your peers. Everybody, everybody on the tribe that loses the, the immunity challenge has to go to the thing, and they have to vote who they want to leave the show, and the last two people remaining are then put up to another vote. So, you gotta find a way to survive all these votes, which, which is usually deceit, it's usually sneakiness. You gotta find a way to make it all the way through this whole social thing. I, I do not think that I would I would excel at that. I I'm not a sneaky person, man. I'm pretty I'm pretty upfront. I I think I could be a sneak if I really if I really wanted to, but I I just kind of let it all hang out, you know, and I get cranky when I get hungry. So, I don't know if I'd be the best guy for Survivor, but I would like to try some of the physical challenges that they that they had. They have to like run up ramps and like slide down things and solve all these all these puzzles with giant wooden pieces. It seems it seems fun. They they always send them to like an island or like a beach or whatever. So there is this this entire swimming component. And I I'm a pretty good swimmer. I don't wanna I don't wanna brag. I've just uh, I've been fortunate to live in places and have access to a uh, to a swimming pool for most of my life. So I I've gotten pretty fair at swimming. Some of the people when they get on the show they cannot swim a lick, which is which is crazy because you you know you're gonna be going to the uh, the big game show on the island. This the season we're in right now, there was this one guy who literally could not swim, and they had this swimming race, and one guy, one guy had to stay behind and pull him along the whole time. I, I don't even have the, I can't even imagine having the audacity to go on Survivor and not know how to swim, but there is, there's a swimming component, I may be able to do well at that, and I do have, I do have, like, skill in certain areas, I'm pretty good at, like, throwing stuff and catching stuff, I, I don't know, I'd like to give some of these challenges challenges a shot. Survivor's cool, man. I, I watch every season. I have a good time. I'm not going to say I watch every second of every season. There are points where I, where I skip through, I, I DVR and I watch it, and I do skip through some of the boring parts, but I, I have a lot of fun. Survivor is, Survivor's neat, man. There's no indication that the show's going to be slowing down in any way. Jeff Probst, the host, one of the creators and the host, he looks, he looks almost identical to when the show started, and it's been like, I don't even know, 20 plus seasons so far. Survivor, Survivor gets a big up from, from me. I, I'm curious, do you guys consider it a game show? Do you consider it to be appropriate on this list? Hit me up at IC Robots on the tweets or facebook.com 
backslash icerobots. It's I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S. I'd love to hear what you think. Let's, uh, let's jump forward and find out what's my favorite, what's my favorite game show that there's ever been. Here it is. After all the waiting, I see robots' favorite game show of all the times. Here's just what you're looking for, The Price is Right, now at 4 o'clock, and you've never seen anything like it. It's put on, and take off, and smashing prizes. So join Bob Barker for The Price is Right, now at 4 each weekday afternoon here on Channel 2. My favorite game show of all the times and all the spaces is The Price is Right. I love this show so much. I I have recently been reunited with The Price is Right via CBS All Access. CBS All Access is where I watch Star Trek Discovery, but it also it also has a gang of other CBS shows. Among them is The Price is Right. And when when the wife and I got a few minutes we need to kill or something, we'll, we'll watch a bit of The Price is Right. It is, it is such a fun show. The basic idea is they pick people out of the audience to come down and then they guess. Well, they make educated guesses to the actual retail value of, of various products. For example, they may show you like a, a refrigerator air conditioner set and you have to guess the combined value of the two and the closest without going over gets to continue on the show in a in another exciting challenge to win another exciting prize and the uh the games i got to go play were like so fun and i wanted to try them all i really want to do plinko i want to drop the tokens down the thing i want to do the one where the where the mountain climber goes up the uh goes up the peak i want to throw those giant dice and most of all most of all, I want to spin the wheel. I I think, and I, I imagine that this is a kind of a shared feeling. I think of being homesick from school almost every time I see The Price is Right. When, when you were like, when you were in that state where you're too sick to go to school, right? Like maybe you got like a cold or an upset stomach, but you're not... You're not, like, sick enough to where you're unconscious. You'd you'd spend the day usually laying on the couch and watching TV or maybe even laying in your parents' bed because they would have the uh, the other TV with the cable hookup. And you'd, you'd spend the day in there watching whatever. And daytime TV didn't have a ton of fun stuff. But one of the fun stuffs that it had was The Price is Right. It's just such a warm feeling when I think back sitting there with, like, a like a warm 7-Up, because warm 7-Up cures all kinds of ailments. With my with my TV tray, either either the kind that could sit on the bed going across my lap with my with my 7-Up and my Kleenex, or maybe maybe the other kind of uh, TV tray that goes goes on the floor and is like a small table on wheels, and I'd have my soda and my Kleenex and maybe like maybe like a book or a magazine or something. And you'd be You'd be wrapped up in a blanket watching boring shows, and then all of a sudden, there is the Price is Right with Bob Barker. It's it's an amazing memory. I I like Drew Carey. He's the he's the host presently. Bob Barker has since since passed the mantle, and he's he's solid, man. He's been doing it for years. He's no he's no Bob Barker. He doesn't have those warm feelings yet. But I bet you, for a whole new generation of kids who were 
who are getting sick and watching this at home. He's he's probably going to be their dude in the future. They probably don't even watch this. They probably just they watch Nickelodeon or Disney XD or whatever. But still, these are my memories, and I'm happy with them. So there you go, man. The best the best game show that there ever has been or will ever be is is The Price Is Right. But there's there's a ton of others that I didn't get a chance to mention. So let's uh let's do that for a sec. <laughs> Let's make a deal. Ninja Warrior or card sharks. Press your luck. Family double dare. Baby on the deals, Nick. Double dare bowling for dollars. Battle Dome. Battle Dome. Let's get a big shout out to Battle Dome. I could never find you on TV, but I loved you every time that I did, and I marked out like crazy when you showed up in WCW. We can't forget about Remote Control. Well, what about Remote Control on MTV? It was the first time I ever saw Colin Quinn. It was the first time I ever saw Kari Wurr. It was a great, a great time in my life. I, I don't know, man. There's not enough time to name all the great game shows that there are in the world. So if I didn't say you, big up. You made it this far. It's time for final segments. I see robots, radio, pop culture, slash toy news, slash other boring stuff, informational moments. All right, it is me, and we are back. Right now, we are up against it. By up against it, I mean up against the clock. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it. We got we got a voicemail that I received last week. We got it right after I had put the show to bed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get to a first thing here. It's uh, it's from my man uh, Javier. Javier's a show patron. Very generous guy. Very nice guy. Let's uh, let's see what he has to say. AIC robots. This is Javier Ois. Uh, but I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about the uh, G.I. Joe movies. Everything from the, uh, the, the animated one in 87, you know, G.I. Joe the movie, what you thought about it. Um, then we got the 2009 Rise of Cobra. Then you had Retaliation 20, in 2013. And then you have one in, which is called, I think it's called uh, Vigilant. And that's supposedly in development and with a Snake Eyes spin-off. They're looking for, looking at 2020 for those movies. Just wanted to see in general what you thought about the movies. Being a, a big G.I. Joe fan, personally, I, I, I love the animated movie, of course. But I wanted your take on, on the animated and the, and the live-action ones that, that, of course, have mixed, mixed reviews. But wanted to get your take on them. Uh, great shows as always. I really enjoy them. And uh, take care. This was Javier Oy. Bye bye. Javier, my dude, as always, good question. I I completely forget that those live action G.I. Joe movies ever happened. I I saw the first one and I didn't really dig it that much. And then I saw the second one, and while I thought it was better, I did not dig it all that much, even though there's there's some cool stuff with like Storm Shadow. It's not, it's not all bad, but it's not all good either. As as far as the cartoons, I I did not like the. Uh, hold on, I have it. I have it right here. I was looking at it earlier. I did not like. I didn't like GI Joe the movie too much. There was like I don't know too much like Cobra Law and all that, all that stuff. I mean, it's cool. I did like it when I was a kid. I just I didn't. It wasn't all that I would have wanted it to be. I 
I much preferred the G.I. Joe miniseries, the one with the, like, weather dominator and all that stuff. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty fun. There was also something called G.I. Joe Resolute that came out as, like, a miniseries on the Cartoon Network. I think they, I think they played it in, like, 10 or 15 minute chunks over the, over the course of a couple weeks. I caught it, I caught it somewhere online. It was written by, um comic book luminary Warren Ellis, and it was, it was like a more violent, more adult take on G.I. Joe. I, I liked that. I have heard that they're going to be making a new movie, and I, I don't know. The, the whole thing of G.I. Joe is that they, they long ago veered off of any kind of, like, real military stuff into, like, into, like, fantasy military, which is, which is all cool, but when you, when you put it on the screen, it kind of, it kind of comes across as silly, so I think they're going to have to, like, they're going to have to, like, take it back. I might even, if it were me and I were in charge, I might take it all the way back to, like, Vietnam and have it be a tale of, like, Stalker and uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and Scarlet and all those, all those guys when they were in the same troop on the, on the Mekong Delta fighting, fighting the Viet Cong and stuff. I... I like the idea of taking it all the way back and learning how these guys met and all that stuff. I know, I know I don't normally go for origin tales, but I, I feel like if you can dip all the way back into the Vietnam era and add, add some realism, add some grit, when, when you eventually start moving forward in future movies, maybe, maybe it'll seem in place because you've, you've kind of seen it evolve over time. Like you could take it from Vietnam, then then into the 80s, you can have him fighting, like, the October Guard, and then maybe even in, like, the third movie, have him finally start getting mixed in there with Cobra, and have it, have it maybe be even a bit in the future, so that when they're, when they're, like, blasting laser zip-zaps and all that stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't seem so weird and out of place. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if G.I. Joe's ever gonna work on the big screen. I would like it to, I would like it to do so, but I don't know. You never, you never can tell. I'll definitely give the, uh, third film a shot. Thanks. Thanks so much for the question, my man Javier. If you want to reach out to the show, you can do so. 707-532-JAMS anytime, day or night. That's 707-532-5267. 707-532-JAMS. You can leave us a, you can leave us an SMS. You can leave us a voicemail. You can do, you can do as you feel. This, uh, this past weekend, I went to the flea market at the Veterans Building, as I, as I always do when I, I did my rounds, I went through, I, I don't remember what I found, nothing, nothing, like, super exhilarating or whatever, but as I was, as I was leaving the area, I saw a sign that said, Token Show, and I'm like, what the heck is a Token Show inside the, inside the Vets Building, so I... So I kind of dipped over there and stuck my head inside a bit, and one of the guys in there said, "Hey, man, come on in," which was, which was enough for me to go in and check it out. I was worried there was like some kind of an admission. Sometimes they'll have like doll shows or model shows, and there's always like an admission price, even though I just kind of, I just kind of want to see what's going on in there. But uh, the dude invited me in, so I I walked around the token show, and the token show was exactly. What it purported to be, it was a, it was a show and sale of tokens, like, like bus tokens, like laundry tokens, like free drink tokens, and also, cool enough, arcade tokens. Dude, I, I over the years on the low have been kind of putting together an arcade token collection together. Like, if I'm at the dig or I'm at the flea market and I'm like, I'm like going through boxes, every once in a while down at the bottom, 
you'll find like an old Scandia token or like an old Aladdin's Castle token or whatever. And I, I'm always excited to get one of these. I have a, I have a cup. It's one of those uh, 1970s 7-Eleven Marvel superhero cups. It's one with uh, Mr. Fantastic on it. And I've, over the years, like every time I get one, I just throw it in there. It's like, it's like halfway full. There's all, there's all kinds of them, but it's, it's slow going because I only ever come across them at the bottom of boxes every once in a while. And I, I did not even know that something like a token show even existed. It was, it was kooky. But while I was poking around in there, I found a bin. This guy had a whole bin on his table full of, full of various arcade tokens. And he only wanted five cents each for him. I couldn't believe it. I ended up getting a couple dollars worth just because, just because we were kind of pressed for time. We had to, we had to get over to the uh, cinema we had. We had tickets for uh, something. And anyway, I, I pulled out a bunch of good ones. I could not even believe that there was something like a token show in the whole world. It was so great. After after we got home, I'm sitting there going, I kind of want to go back. But the, the show is over by then. If I would have somehow got some sort of advanced uh, notice that there was going to be this show where you could get you could get 80s arcade tokens for five cents, I would have I would have been all over it, man. Because I tell you, like I'll only find like one of these a month. If that, if that, I am always excited to go, oh, look, here's one from the uh, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, circa, circa 1982, but I'm um, getting, getting this many at once was, it was amazing. Let me, uh, let me go get the jar. I'll be, we're gonna, uh, pause and I'll be right back. All right, I am back. This is, this is working out perfectly because I brought this up here with me to show my, uh, show my new tokens to Iceberg. Let me, let me pour these out. These are, these are various arcade tokens that I've collected over the years. Here's one from Long John Silvers. Here's one from Chuck E. Cheese. This is a, this is an Aladdin's Castle one. Here's from the uh, Namco arcade. It has, has Pac-Man on it. This is from the Land of Oz arcade. Here is one from Funland, Japan. I I think that's pretty cool. Uh, what does this one say? This one says... No cash value turbo champion. I wonder, I wonder. I like it when they say no cash value on them. There's, there's all sorts. Here's another Chuck E. Cheese, another Aladdin's Castle. This one is also from Land of Oz. This is from Electric Fantasy of Chico, California. Fun Quest at the Reno Hilton. This one, this one is weird. It has a... It has naked people on it. I, I wonder what that's about. Um, this one says Malibu Money, Malibu Funland. I I don't know. Each one of these, each one of these, like they tell a story in their own way. They're like this this thing that people used to go to and they used to have fun. I I wish that some of these were still around, but they are not. I I don't know. Uh, let's see. I think we're gonna. I'm spilling these all over the place. Sorry for the sorry for the ugly background noise. Let me get this one. It fell into my lap. Which one is this? This is from Family Entertainment of Man, I cannot it's all it's all oxidized. It has what appears to be like an oh, this is from the Funky Monkey. That used to be over in uh over in Windsor near the theater. It was like a it was like a kids place with like tubes and stuff and they they had some games. I just I just dropped one, but I'm, I'm gonna get up out of here, we are up on it, we've gone over the allotted time, oh, oh, before we get up out of here, I got, I got a message on my, uh, my computer screen here from Engineer Emily, who's in the booth, and next week, we're gonna have A.B. Silver on the show, next week, A.B. Silver is gonna be here, he's gonna reveal 
what the new what the new J5 TV project is. I cannot wait. He says he says he's going to be here for real this time. I never I never know until he actually is, but that should be exciting. Hit me up with some tweets. Tweet me at IC Robots. Let me know what you think the show is. If if anybody can get it correctly, I'll send him some sort of a prize. Just hit me up with the tweet at IC Robots with with the genre of the show. Like maybe you think he's going to have a new sitcom where he has a family or something. If you have any ideas, hit me up on the tweet. And if anybody nails it, I'll I'll send you some stickers or something. I'll I'll figure something out. So until next time, this is me, Icy Robot, signing off for Engineer Emily, Iceberg, AB Silver, MC Kate makes the mic disintegrate. Till the next time, if you don't know, I know. This has been Icy Robots Radio Production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported in Dehar. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. Bob Arthur reminding you, help control the pet population. Have your pet spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody.